most great let's uh, let's make a start um others i know will will drift in uh welcome to thinking about uh, in the, the environment and in particular um i'm going to i'm going to let um angus explain exactly what angle he's going to take on it uh, i did say a couple of seconds ago it'd be a hard thing to convince anybody that climate change and global warming is a bad thing on a february afternoon when you can <laughs> bask in the sunshine but but um there are more serious um there are more serious issues than that it's um it's a wonderful thing to be able to uh, to entrust ourselves to um, the uh, the care and the teaching of Angus McClay, who's the rector at St Nick's Church in Sevenoaks, and has within his uh, congregation a number of uh, people involved with Arosha, which is one of the most significant Christian um, movements devoted to thinking theologically about um, the, the environment um, and ecological um, stewardship and those sorts of things. So it is, uh, it's something that uh, Angus, as a church minister, has had to, to think about um, deeply. Now, uh, just a couple of things. So you will have seen, or you won't have seen, you'll, have, you'll know that there's a Slido seminar being, um, a Slido question um, and answer being set up. If you go into sli.do, sli.do, and then you put in um, ecogod, where the hashtag appears, um, <laughs> that seems to be the most obvious, ecogod, you'll find uh, just ecogod. Uh, you can then type in questions either anonymously or, or with your name. And there'll be a couple of minutes at the end of Angus's talk for us to post other questions. And this way, Angus will be able to see the questions. And you can, as well as putting questions in, you can also upvote questions. You can't downvote them, but you can upvote them. And so we should be able to um, ensure that Angus can at least have a heads up on, on what questions are coming and that sort of thing. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to uh, read Colossians 1. And then, Angus, it's over to you. Uh, he cannot see us, but we can see him. It's rather strange, but um, <laughs> the wonders of technology, the wonders of technology. Let's pray. Our Father God, we, um, we thank you that you created a physical world for us as physical people to enjoy. It, it staggers us. It, um, it's beyond our comprehension that you, a God who is not physical, should conceive of, imagine and create a physical world for us to enjoy, to look after. And Father, we pray that you would help us to think rightly, that we would look at this world uh, through the lens of your creation and your word and your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is its Lord. And Father, we pray that you would help us to think better now, that we might not be uh, always running behind our culture and trying to catch up with um, the things it says is important, but rather that we would, uh, we would be um, champions of living God's way in God's world. And we ask this for, for your glory, for our clarity of mind, and for the good of all peoples. We pray now that you would be with Angus and that you would help him to teach your truth by your spirit. Amen. Amen. So if you uh, turn to Colossians 1, Colossians 1, and verses 15 to 20. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Paul writes, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning 
and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amen. Angus, over to you. Well, thank you very much indeed. And it's very good indeed to be with you all uh, this afternoon. And uh, my title, which I've chosen, is Creation Care Through a Different Lens. And the subtitle was, Is Creation Care an Irrelevance for Evangelicals, or Does Inaction Make Us Irrelevant? An Opportunity to Rethink and to put Christ at the centre. So I hope that I'll be uh, able to look at both angles of this particular uh, issue. Uh, I'm gonna share my screen, which uh, I hope uh, just with a few uh, images will keep us awake on a uh, Saturday afternoon when you've been out for a walk and everything else. So uh, let's see if I can uh, do that successfully. Um, hoping that I can do so. And hopefully you can uh, uh, see what is happening there. So how should I think about the climate emergency? Well, the, uh, the ice caps are melting, we're told. Uh, there are freak weather events increasing. Uh, perhaps as the rapid onset of storms Dudley, Eunice and Franklin uh, have uh, highlighted. Uh, we're aware that habitats are changing, that there are links between fossil fuel consumption, uh, uh, rising temperatures and the effect on the natural world. And of course, all of this has been well publicised uh, by notable uh, input from folk like David Attenborough, Greta Thunberg, uh, and events like COP26. So we face a global, a climate emergency. Now, we may well take issue with that word emergency, but how should the church respond? And within evangelicalism, there have often been two different sorts of response. Now, I am completely oversimplifying here. Of course, it's much more of a spectrum. Some would start with the Old Testament. God is our creator, uh, and as mankind, uh, we are stewards. And therefore, we need to get behind green initiatives. It is a serious emergency. But often, with this sort of approach, and again, this is very, very broad brush, there is often no specific reference to the Lord Jesus. Uh, the message often focuses completely on us and what we need to do. We've got to save the planet. We've got to do this. Um, it seems to be a, a sort of salvation by works. And often this sort of view uh, links with a mimicking of the world, except sort of five, 10, 20 years later. So something seems to be missing with this sort of approach. The, the other 
way of approaching things, though, is we start with the New Testament, with the Lord Jesus as our saviour, the priority of evangelism. After all, this is the emergency. And we recognise the seriousness of the situation that the world is facing, the problem of sin. The only solution is getting the gospel to people. But often, again, a very broad brush uh, um, uh, analysis, often there is no reference to creation at all in the message. The message may often focus purely on saving souls rather than showing interest in people's God-given bodies. And it is often a message that can lead to pietism, a detachment from the world. So how should we respond to these things? Well, where do we start? We, we need to start with the whole of our Bible rather than just focusing on Old Testament or just focusing on New Testament. And certainly my approach, and uh, you may well want to critique me on this, is that I want to look at the whole of the Bible, but through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we end up with a distinct Christ-centred approach to every issue that we're looking at, not just issues relating to creation, the environment, green issues, but right across the board. And so th that is, as it were, the theological method that I want to use and share with you, looking through the lens of Christ. And my aim now is certainly not to give any top tips on recycling, or provide you with a list of things to do, but it's more in line with what Paul says elsewhere in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. It's about helping us with our mindset. Uh, he says there that um, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And that's my hope that we're really focusing in this seminar more on our mindset about how we approach this sort of subject. What do I mean? Well, we're going to look at uh, three points. Uh, the first one is looking through the person of Christ, focusing on verses 15 to 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. What does Paul tell us here? well, originally the Colossians, but through them to us. What is he telling us about Jesus? Well, who is he? He is, verse 15, the son. He is the image of the invisible God, the one who reveals God to us. 
So the sun is the image of the invisible God. And just as the sun's rays hit the earth and we, uh, we can experience and see the warmth of the sun. Uh, so the Lord Jesus himself is that image of the invisible God who has uh, walked on this earth that, he, that the Lord, uh, that God the Father might be revealed. Now, how is he described? He is described as being, verse 15, over creation. Verse 16, in him we find, uh, uh, in him all things were created. We find that, again, in verse 16, it's all for him. And then verse 17, in him it holds together. So looking at creation through the lens of Christ, we see Paul referring to Christ as our creator. Now, clearly, we need to be careful about this. Um, equally, the Father is our creator. The Spirit is our creator. The triune God is our creator. But nevertheless, on the basis of Colossians 1, and we might also go to Hebrews 1 and verses 2 and 3, we want to affirm that Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the creator. More than that, he is also the sustainer of all things. Just as we have a national grid, and if the, the plug was pulled on the national grid, everything virtually uh, would collapse uh, to a halt uh, unless sustained by private generators. Um, we, everything relies upon that national grid. So everything, every aspect of life across our planet, across our universe is sustained minute by minute, second by second, by the Lord Jesus Christ, creator, but he hasn't just created and left it, he sustains it, and he is the owner. It is all by him, it's all for him, it all belongs to him, and therefore we need to have a very high view of Christ as our creator. Now, let me unpack that and think about the implications in a twofold manner. And again, just wanting to, to put those on the slide if you're jotting a few things down. I wonder if we need to change the vocabulary that we use within Christian debate and indeed wider debate. We're people who affirm not just that God is our creator, but on the basis of Colossians 1, we want to affirm Christ is our creator. He is the one who has made our planet. It is all for him. Within our, uh, even the various green organizations, we, we don't often hear that specific vocabulary, but perhaps we ought to be using that vocabulary much more than we currently do. And therefore, perhaps that's a challenge for those who are already signed up as saying that 
there is a climate emergency, we've got to be involved in it. Let's change the vocabulary. But the second aspect perhaps is more directed at those who are thinking, well, the only uh, show in town is evangelism. That's the real emergency. And to those who are thinking in that sort of way, we do need to recognize that creation care is a simple outflow from our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior and our Creator, then we please Him by caring for the things which He made and the things which belong to Him. You're staying in a friend's house, for example. Out of love, you look after their property. How much more as we live in the world that Christ has created and that is for Him? Let's move on and we come to verse 18, our second heading, looking now through the resurrection of Christ. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. What does Paul tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is he? He is the resurrected one. He is the head of the body, meaning that he is in charge of uh, everything and in charge of the body, his church. And he is supreme over all things, including supreme over death itself. On death, things generally disintegrate. But not, of course, with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the living one. And today, in heaven, he is ruling with a physical, yes, glorified body, but nevertheless with a physical body. Uh, as the saying goes, matter matters. Uh, and so the resurrection means God's purposes include matter. They include bodies. They include the earth. They include the whole of creation. And notice how uh, Paul describes the Lord Jesus. He is the firstborn from among the dead. The firstborn, but others will follow. And the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ is the pattern for us. He suffers, he dies, he is buried, and he is raised. And that will happen for us as well as those who are in Christ. We suffer. At some point, unless the Lord returns before it happens, we will die, we will be buried, and we will be raised. That is the pattern. It is also the pattern for creation itself. Creation suffers and groans, as uh, Paul says in Romans 8. And yet, though in some some way it will die, it will certainly be raised. 
because we look forward in the New Testament and indeed Old Testament as well, Isaiah 65, 66, to a new creation, new heavens and a new earth. We are new creation and yet there is to be a vast new creation. And so what are the implications of looking at things through this lens? Well, again, I would suggest to us that there are two implications as we seek to keep Christ's resurrection central. The first is directed to those who are already uh, signed up members to uh, all the uh, concerns about the climate and everything else, because, again, it is an encouragement to change our vocabulary. So much of the vocabulary that we hear, not just in the world, but also uh, in various Christian organisations, relates to uh, links to the vocabulary of despair. The current narrative is, is of despair, of failure, of greed. There's no planet B and trying in our own strength to turn things round. Yet we believe in resurrection hope. Again, by analogy, as I think of my own body, my own body, uh, well, although all sorts of things have happened to it, all sorts of operations. A number of years ago, I had a cardiac arrest. There's, there's all sorts of things that have gone wrong with it. Well, I needn't despair because as a believer, I can look forward with resurrection hope to a resurrection body. But that doesn't mean that I trash my body now. I need to treat it with dignity. It has been given to the uh, to me by the Lord and therefore uh, I need to be uh, as one confident in the resurrection and but so it is with the created order we don't trash it it has been given to us by the Lord but there is no need for us to despair because we look forward to a new creation but also, perhaps to some of us who feel, again, that really the only show in town is evangelism, creation care flows from the resurrection. Because if the resurrection gives dignity to my body now, it also gives dignity to creation now. Because this body my body, your body, this planet is going to be resurrected. And therefore we treat it with dignity, but also recognize that uh, there is hope. Let's move to our third heading. And we come now to look through the cross of Christ. Chapter one, verses 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on heaven or things in earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, what does Paul tell us about the Lord Jesus again? Who is he? Well, he has the fullness of the Godhead in him, 
Therefore, it uh, enables us to see things, uh, to recognize that we have a fully Trinitarian view here. But what has Christ done? Well, he has achieved reconciliation through the shedding of his blood on the cross. Since Genesis chapter 3, everything has been broken. Every relationship, God and mankind, uh, mankind uh, against mankind, and mankind and creation, rather like those pieces scattered on the floor. Everything is in some degree disconnected and does not work as it originally should have done. And therefore, uh, we say this reverently, of course, Jesus's blood is the glue, the only glue, to mend, to fix, to restore everything that has been broken. Uh, it's interesting that just later on in verse 23, uh, Paul says, this is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed well, in our NIV, it says to every creature, uh, perhaps at this point, uh, ESV is slightly more helpful. Uh, verse 23 uh, that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, because this message must go out to all creation. So what are the implications as we reflect upon that? Well, as we seek to keep Christ crucified central again we need to change our vocabulary because ultimately it's all about what Christ does rather than what we do uh, we can do all that we want in terms of seeking to uh, mend the world and yet if we're if we're trying to mend something without any glue without any mortar or whatever the substance is if we're trying to do something without any glue Superficially, we might be able to put things back together, but ultimately it's still going to fall apart. How sad to seek to save the planet, but to refuse the only way that things can actually be put back together, reconciled, fixed, restored. And therefore, ultimately, we need to recognize that the cross of Christ the reconciliation that flows from his blood must be central to that. But also we need to recognise that creation care indeed flows out from the cross because God's purposes in Christ are huge. All things are to be reconciled. Reconciliation is indeed part of the Christian's DNA. The priority is definitely reconciling God and mankind, but it doesn't end there. We who have been reconciled are to be those who are seeking to apply that reconciliation in every aspect of our living. So as I come into land, Romans 12 verse 2 that I mentioned earlier, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
As we seek to change our vocabulary about Christ, about hope, about his work, we need to recognise that even though we are often engaged in the same things as uh, many non-Christians, it's like being in the same river but going in a very different direction. And so, yes, we may well uh, find ourselves plunged into uh, debates, actions, thinking about the climate crisis, ecological issues, but we're heading in a very, very different direction. And therefore, we, we're not going to be mimicking the world. But Romans 12, verse 2 is going to affect our thinking. And perhaps it may be that Colossians 1, 15 to 20, as we've been thinking, will help us to have that different mindset. And therefore, we, but we also need a fuller, richer view of salvation and God's purposes. Because, uh, again, just thinking purely about evangelism, just being about uh, me getting this message to one other person, however significant and important that is, we need to recognise that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is a vast gospel. Just as the uh, Amazon River uh, is vast, it's not a small stream, it's, it's a vast, vast river. So what flows from the Lord Jesus, from his cross and resurrection, is a vast gospel which flows out and which will impact all of life, all of creation, all of the universe, not just now, but for all eternity. And therefore, my plea is that as we think through these things, and I may need to have my view shaped and corrected in all sorts of ways, and I will certainly need ongoing wisdom as we seek to draw out the implications of these, this thinking and these views. But I'm certainly persuaded that keeping Christ at the centre is the need of the hour. And that's what I would long to hear more about uh, in some of these debates, especially from Christian organisations. But I hope that as we keep Christ at the centre, we will uh, have our minds, our hearts, uh, filled with an even greater understanding of who the Lord Jesus is and who he is as our creator, sustainer, uh, owner, the one who has died and who is raised in glory with a physical glorified body. So I do trust that that will have prompted a few questions and I'm going to finish there and hand back to Phil. Indeed, I'm sure it has. Thank you, Angus. I'm going to give us um, a couple of minutes, just fire questions. You'll see there are already some questions in there, including, can you give us your top tips on recycling? Uh, you knew that was going to appear, didn't you? Um, and um, after two minutes, so sli.do and ecogod, and then we'll, um, we'll put the questions, having got the theological framework, Let's, uh, let's start applying it to, to some of the detail. Thank you, Angus.
EcoGod, sorry, EcoGod is the code, SLI.PO and EcoGod. You were asking for the recycling. <laughs> you are anonymous. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, let's get started. Angus, have you got access to the Slido? Excellent. Yeah, I can uh, I can see uh, a good number of questions. Yeah, let's start with um, yeah, just uh, let's pick up um Chris's question. What would you say to Christians who don't believe in climate change at all? Um, is it just about climate change? This this uh, the duty of ecological care, or who don't believe it's as serious as it's been made out to be? Yeah, I mean that it's that that's fair comment. I mean, I think we've got to be. I mean, I, I'm just a great believer in uh, that uh, the the best theology and the best science, uh, and therefore um, uh, it, it's important that we listen to what is um, uh, happening and uh, and get a objective facts i mean if the if the facts are wrong uh then th then so be it i um and it's important that there are debates on uh, what that is um i, I mean i i'm certainly um uh, persuaded that something is happening and uh, but regardless of that, I think that we ought to be seeking to care for the world. Um, I have a, a wonderful quotation from uh, John Calvin in the 1550s, who uh, speaks about the need for us to act thoughtfully as stewards in his commentary. I think the comments are on Gen Genesis 2 and verse 15. Um, and he's certainly just making the point that um, if uh, God is uh, uh, Christ indeed has created the planet for us we need to be uh, appropriately, appropriately thoughtful and careful and uh, clearly uh, the way in which we have acted is with a, a huge degree of greed and selfishness as we think about uh, these things I know that comes on to other questions about corporate uh, sin uh, but I, I think there are issues that we need to engage with uh, but as I say, I, I, I would encourage us to try to access the, the very best science on this sort of issue. That's interesting. So even the interesting thing is that um, Christians who tend to reject the, the, the consensus on climate change tend almost to not care at all about stewardship, which doesn't mm. seem to be an option biblically, from, especially from what you're saying. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think that's right. I, um, 
I, I think I think we can often see things that have happened. Um, I mean, even something that 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 is not nothing to do necessarily with uh, the climate crisis, but where there are um, sort of. Uh, yeah, ecological issues simply because of people's greed, you know, chemical spills and things like that. Well, you know, if, if that happened in your own house, you, you would be trying to sort it out rather than uh, just say, oh, well, you know, we, we just got to live with it. And um, no, I, so I think the idea of us being uh, stewards looking after the world is uh, an important principle we get from the Old Testament. But as I say, I, I would love us to interpret it through that lens of Christ. Um, I'm not gonna be rude and ask, ignore their questions and ask mine, but I've got a question I'll put in and see if it gets voted. Anyway, um, how does this play out in your church out of interest? Uh, a number of people have asked, uh, what proactively um, do you, you know, how, how do you show a priority for evangelism and yet a, a desire to um, to treat the world as created by, redeemed by, loved by Christ. Mm. No, it's a it's a, a fair comment. I mean, we for for many many years until he went to be with the Lord a few years ago, we had Professor Sam Berry as a member of our church, and he was uh, certainly a prolific author and speaker on this sort of theme. Uh, and so there were a number of uh, sort of initiatives that linked in. So uh, we. Uh, uh, have gone through the process of getting an eco-congregation award uh, on a number of times, uh, just in terms of uh, trying to audit and evaluate um, how we're handling resources in a way which is friendly to the environment. And, and I, I think that that's a, a reasonable thing for us to do. And in our teaching for every now and again, um, it's certainly not something that I would want to dominate our preaching, uh, but we do from time to time have seminars. Um, and indeed, what I've shared with you was a um, basically the basis of a sermon that I preached at St. Nicholas at the end of June last year. So uh, from time to time, we, we recognise that it's important, and, and it's this issue, which I, I mentioned in the subtitle, um, is creation care an irrelevance for evangelicals or does inaction make us irrelevant? And it is recognizing, well, this is the uh, culture within which we're living. And therefore we do need to have to say something thoughtful, credible, and indeed biblical uh, to help people as they wrestle with these things. Uh, but I mean, our our focus, um, you know, our vision is to know Christ, to make him known. And the first part of that vision uh, is to reach out. And so currently we're trying to get fully behind passion for life and everything else. So um, our, our focus is on uh, knowing Christ, making Christ's name. But as part of that, uh, there will be, uh, I feel, appropriate times when we want to recognize that this is a, a big issue in the world and therefore we want to equip our people so that they know how to think and they know how to engage. Have you noticed it have any impact on your church's witness in terms of uh, whether people are more confident to invite friends because of that or or people who've come along because because of your stand on those things or um 
just out of interest. It maybe you haven't. It's not. Something yeah, that... it's difficult for me to say that uh, to to uh, um, <laughs> respond to that. But um, it, it's certainly you know the fact that the, for example for what it's worth, the town mayor came along and uh, was involved in the uh, Eco Congregation Award and, and things like that. It just highlights that, um, you know, here are folk, uh, we disagree with them about all sorts of things, you know, they, they focus on Jesus, they teach about sin and, uh, uh, and, all, and they have odd views about, um, which are out of step with society on homosexuality and all these sorts of things. Um, but here we see that they're seeking to engage in a way which, well, we understand. So it may be that it's just part of the um, uh, the way in which we relate. It, it, it yeah. helps there. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Thank you. There's um, two questions. Um, Tom and Joe have been collaborating, and um, yeah, yeah, you guys must have, you might, must have fun at home. You two. The um, the uh, they're about systemic mm. behaviour, and um, I guess the the struggle for for individuals to to be involved in change, and and how we should think about corporate sin and. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to address the specifics of either of those? Is that something you've um, you've thought through or can help us think through? Uh, yeah. I mean, as with all these things, uh, uh, whether uh, you know, you can always think these things through uh, further. I, I think whenever we see issues which where we know that there is sin and wrong, even though it seems to be a vast evil, and we think, well, what can I do? We we nevertheless, it, it's right and appropriate for us to do what we can. It may seem that drop in the ocean, but nevertheless, uh, it, it is, as it were, the, the love of Christ compelling us to be involved in various ways. Um, if we hear of violence against women and we think, well, that that is an evil and Again, it's all connected with the gospel because uh, the gospel will reshape all our values and all our relationships. So ultimately, it's something that flows out from the gospel. And but we might think, well, I mean, you know, what what can I do? You know, we, uh, you know, what can I do in in London in in that area? Well, we can still do something, even if we can't change the whole direction of society. And so it is with these uh, issues where, you know, relating to creation care, uh, we can do something. Uh, but yes, we recognise that it's, you know, we are part of um, a world which is fueled by uh, sin and greed. Um, and therefore, it, it does it, it does bring us back to the, the heart of the gospel message and the proclamation of the Lord Jesus Christ crucified, that ultimately um, systemic sin is sin and, and needs to, uh, you know, the, the message of the cross. Um, I, I guess the, the danger is that we, we think systemic sin is so great that we can't do anything. But again, perhaps our model is William Wilberforce and the way in which he patiently, doggedly uh, served, worked and sought to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and eventually 
uh, I think it was virtually on his deathbed, he was vindicated with the uh, 1833 Slave Trade Act, uh, bringing it to a, a, an end. And I think similarly in these sorts of areas, whatever the systemic sin is, uh, the Lord calls us to, to stand against it. Um, yeah. I guess the... I mean, I suspect, um, would your answer to Rachel's question be, I agree, the, um, given that climate change does disproportionately impact the poorest and most vulnerable, mm. the duty to love our neighbour just increase the, the onus on us to actually do something? I think so. I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, uh, and uh, certainly the, uh, I mean, I'm sure you have links. Uh, we certainly have mission links with various places, uh, particularly in Africa. And the, the whole issue of, um, you know, there's always been uh, cycles of drought and flood and everything. And yet, certainly statistically, uh, our mission partners uh, are saying it's, it's much more in the last 12 years or so. And, uh, and you know, the compassion of Christ, we will want to care for those who, you know, they, they, there's no easy solution for them. They've got to live in those sorts of situations um, where, you know, where folk are dying. And so it, it is a part of not just our love for Christ, but our love for our neighbour that we will seek to do certain things. But again, you know, we're, we're so little, we're so powerless, but we, we do what we can do. And one of the things I guess that flows out of that is actually uh, Micah's question. One of the, th the things that helps us when we feel little and powerless is to be involved with organisations that are that have a larger impact. Um, so practically, what climate organisations? Yeah, what, I mean, you may feel like um, you need to do your own research, but um, have you come across um, organisations that you find are good for recommending believers to to get involved in? Um, Oh, really Extinction Rebellion and the National Trust. You rarely see those two yeah, in the same I, thing. Question <laughs> oh, agencies. Um, uh, I, I guess my mind would go to both Tear Fund and to Arosha. But um, I mean, I recognize that this is being. Uh, recorded so I want <laughs> to be sort of judicious but uh, would, do, would, would you rather them. we stop the recording so that no, you can, for the no, people no, no. actually bother to turn up the, uh... Uh, no 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 I I'm I, I guess I would love them to engage with the sort of things I've shared and, and perhaps others would be able to take them uh, forward uh, far more eloquently thoughtfully and theologically than I can but I, I would love it if those sorts of organisations were, were able to really look through the lens of Christ and for uh, committed conservative evangelicals to be able to say, um, I'm concerned, I'm interested, uh, I would love to be involved and I want to uh, just slightly change the uh, the tack of some of these organizations uh, but but certainly they're seeking to do things involvement in non-christian organizations um, uh, I, I mean can be a wonderful opportunity to witness um, you know I'm here not just because um, I think there's uh, great injustices going on and we need action not just talk from politicians um, we need to do things uh, uh, but I'm doing it because I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, potentially it could be a, a great opportunity for witness, but um, 
uh, it, it certainly strikes me as, uh, from what I know of Extinction Rebellion, I, I, I'd be uh, yeah certainly hesitant about joining it myself. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's, and those things are always hard. The uh, co-belligerency, working out yeah. um, how much you have to agree with people to join a cause that's not yeah. the gospel is it's not straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Um, perhaps that leads to um, Hugh's question. You talked about changing our vocabulary. What practical difference does it make to say we engage on these issues um, because of Christ um, compared with uh, an unbeliever who, um, who says there may be no world to hand over to our children or, or whatever? What, where do you see the practical outworkings? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean it's a good question, and I, I guess my uh, I, I'm not quite sure how how to respond. But I think it, it, it if we change our mindset, it will uh, give us a lot more clarity, and also um, it will be the sort of engine room that will drive us. Um, uh, I, I'm not just doing a bit of recycling because the council have told me to and I don't want to be shamed by my neighbor or anything like that no no no. actually I'm engaged in some of these sorts of things because I love the Lord Jesus Christ he is the creator he is the one who um uh, has uh, you know sustains all things it's it's his it all belongs to him and 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 so I'm doing it from a very very different motive and uh, so I, I think that then leads to a, a a difference as we engage in these sorts of things going back to the big issue about the slave trade that there were various groups who were concerned about the slave trade in the late 1700s, uh, but it was Christians who had fire in their belly to actually be willing to stand against the vast vested interests of the entrepreneurs and uh, 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 traders and tea merchants and all the rest of it who were uh, uh, sugar and all the rest of it, uh, the big business of the day they had fire in their belly because they were doing it out of love for Christ as well as love for neighbor. And so I, I think the mindset, it's not just an academic thing. It's the sort of thing that can make a real difference. Thank you. If there are enough upvotes for why is Sharon so fabulous, it'll be the title of a seminar next year. Um, the, uh, Tom, keep voting. The, uh, um, Claire asks a question, lots of people ask, the language of priorities used a lot in discussions about evangelism versus environment. Um, how do we do both well when we've got limited um, time, limited money? Yeah, no, excellent question because that, yeah, really hits the reality. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess I'd want to guard against the idea that these sorts of things are bolt-on extras um, and and that is equally true of evangelism. You know that I'm uh, I'm a believer, and if I'm really keen, I'm going to bolt on evangelism. Uh, no, evangelism, our uh, love for the lost, should be a natural outflow 
of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But equally, as we think about holiness and obedience and uh, seeking to please the Lord Jesus Christ as the way in which we treat his creation, that also is not a bolt-on. It should be a natural overflow. Now, in terms of the uh, time and priority and whether the Lord uh, has given us particular skills and uh, to be able to be involved, uh, whether it might be on campaigning or whether it might be in uh, helping in practical ways. Uh, well, that's a slightly different question, but, uh, and, and quite how to answer it, I, I don't think I can give a, a blanket answer. But uh, yeah, we, 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 we need to see, it, it's having a very big view of Christ, a very big view of the gospel, and seeing how actually these things should flow out of every aspect of our devotion to him. Uh, for myself, it's not evangelism that stops me giving time and money to the environment. It's watching TV and wanting to go on foreign holidays. <laughs> we, we often talk about these two pri you know, these priorities as if, if it wasn't for all the evangelism I'm doing, I might have time for some social action. And actually, it's, yeah, but that's probably me oversharing my own inadequacies. The... Um, Chris asked on the particular thing about, um, uh, I guess, I guess rather than uh, climate change itself, anthropogenic climate change, mm. as in, yeah. Um, what do you say? What What do you say to, to Christians? You say, look, I just don't buy that we humans are changing it. It's more down to um, solar energy or whatever, and um, the changes in, yep. the, in the sun, or just don't believe it's as serious and feel like we're we're sort of sucking on the and the exhaust pipe of of our culture rather than listening to mm. God. Um, yeah, no, I, I, fa fa fair enough. I mean, I, as I say uh, before, um, I, I think it's worth um, spending a bit of time uh, along with others, just thinking through um, the, uh, yeah, the objective facts. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say, and of course, any scientific fact is uh, disputed and discussed and all the rest of it. Um, uh, so, but by all means, uh, chew over those things. But I, I, I come back to what we uh, were saying before, uh, and that is that uh, regardless of whether there is a, uh, I mean, I don't like the phrase climate emergency, because, um, yeah, that, that there are other emergencies going on. Uh, within our world as we seek to get the gospel out. And, and it does, uh, that idea of climate emergency does tend to give priority to this particular aspect of our discipleship. But um, I, I do think that nevertheless, we are called to be faithful stewards uh, of the creation around us, just as we're called to uh, appropriately uh, look after our own bodies that have been given to us. We're, we're not to uh, abuse them. And so uh, we, we need to treat them with the appropriate dignity in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is with our planet. It's using that lens to, to recognize, yeah, I have responsibilities here. So even if you're, you're not agreed on the science, um, nevertheless, there is still a, um, a, an ethic that we can see emerging from both Old and New Testament as to how we care for creation around us. Great. Um, uh, I'm aware that uh, we told you we'd, um, we'd finish at quarter two. The uh, One tiny question, where does the, uh, the name Arosha come from? 
Yeah, I I don't know. So I, I saw a couple of questions on that. Uh, so the letter, capital letter A, and then uh, new word, capital R-O-C-H-A, uh, which means the rock, I think, in Portuguese. And, um, uh, and uh, uh, how it happened, I don't know. I think it links in with the work of Peter Harris, who helped to found a close friend of John Stott, who helped to found Arrocha, uh, uh, in Portugal, uh, probably about 30, 35 years ago. Um, and I think Arrocha, uh, the rock, God the rock, uh, was the uh, the foundation for it. But I don't know any more than that, I'm afraid. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you very much indeed. Um, you can't see anybody, so should we show appreciation with a round of uh, British applause? <laughs> It's just very helpful to, to listen to somebody who, um, who loves the Lord Jesus, studies the Bible deeply, and is engaged um, over many years with these issues. I'm going to close in prayer. Thank you for your time. Um, and uh, I hope the second game of rugby goes more to your like than the first. Um, Father God, we, we thank you for, for Angus helping us to see that um, in a very specific sense, this world we live in is, uh, is crafted by the hands of the Lord Jesus. That it is Christ who is the creator and Christ who is the one in whom it is being reconciled and it is through the blood of Christ, it is a direct result of the cross of Christ that this world has hope for the future. And we pray that you would help us as we wrestle with how to, um, not to buy into everything culture says and yet how to be responsible stewards. Please would you help us to, to as Christians, lead the way in loving your creation in a way which honours you. Uh, Father, we have so much work to do, even to begin to think clearly on this. Uh, we pray, though, that um, uh, you would not um, allow us to hide behind that. We pray that we would take practical steps that are um, that are humble, that uh, are show a, a lack of greed, and that we would put others ahead of ourselves. Father, please would you help us to do that, uh, because we love you, and because we love the world you've made, and because we do not want to um, rob resources from the poor or pollute the world that everybody lives in. We ask this, Father, for your glory's sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. No, Bye. thank you so much. Thank you.